We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. Everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is a perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll be able to get your show pushed on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box for the episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here, solo today. The old man Andreas Hale is not in the building. He was a little busy, and instead of us going the entire week without a show, I decided to jump on, do another solo show. These are always fun. You know craziness is about to happen. So you guys are stuck with me for the next hour. We're talking pro wrestling on this show. We're going to preview AEW Revolution. Later on, we're going to talk about Bobby Lashley only becoming the third black WWE champion of all time as well, plus a bunch of other fun stuff in the second and third segment. But first, this week, I want to start the segment off with hip-hop. And you may think, like, yo, Kel, you're going to talk hip-hop by yourself? Are you crazy? Like, no, I am not crazy. I decided, since the old man Andreas Hale could not be here, I went, and, I went and found, I searched, and I found a young man, a man who looks younger than me, according to all accounts. I went, I dialed the phone, boop, 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 real quick. I was like, yo, Pops, Pops, I need you. And my Pops said, you know what? You need me? I got you. 
So on the line, I got my pops, same name, of course, because I am a junior. So this is Kel Dansby Sr., but pops is okay. You know, just we're just rolling with that. Pops is in the building. Pops, thanks for joining me. Well, since we're talking hip-hop, let me go by the stage name. This is Skills the Public Speaker. So, you know, we, 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 this, is, this ain't your dad talking. This is Skills the Public, 9-3 Sourface, hip-hop's greatest. You're going to have people YouTube and Sourface. Yeah. Shout, shout out to the, the movement. That's right. <laughs> so, nah, no one better to chop it up with. Plus, I always like talking to you, Pops. We had these discussions anyway, just on the phone for hours. So it's dope to just have it on the show, open a show, especially when we've, I think this is probably our fifth episode straight talking hip-hop. Maybe one, like, we nerded out and talked about, like, Marvel. But this is a lot of hip-hop we've been using to open up the show. So it's dope to get you on here. You're always opinionated. You were in the midst of it. You were there. Boots to the ground. You almost named me Laquan. Due, <laughs> due to a crazy era of New York hip-hop. So I, I understand this. It was great to bring you on. So the first thing I wanted to touch on is we had another Versus this week. And... This one was weird because it was D'Angelo and Friends. Uh, it was at the Apollo. Shout out to the fam. Shout out to Harlem. Mm -hmm. Everyone. 116th. Shout out to Lennox. Foster, King Foster, King Dome, everything. You know, gang, gang, cousin L. Um, so they were in Harlem for it. And I was like, all right, cool. D'Angelo comes out. Well, I'm going to tell this story in reverse. D'Angelo ends up being there. And he was like, the friends are y'all, the listeners. And it was just him. It was like a concert. He brought out Red. He brought out Meth at one point. Cool, whatever. I'm, I wasn't really down for two hours of D'Angelo. Like, I, I needed, like, when you say friends, just go D'Angelo versus Neo Soul. Like, bring out, bring out Erica for a track. Bring out Jill for one track. Bring out Maxwell for a couple joints. Like... Give me that. Like, maybe you don't need you versus, you're, you're 20 versus 20 Maxwell. But give me, like, you versus four Maxwell. Then give me you versus the next for four. Like, you know, give, give me that performing back and forth. That's not what we got. So at that point, whatever. I was kind of done with his portion of it. The portion that sticks out to me is the first hour, because he was late, because we can't be nowhere on time. The first hour, hour and 15 minutes was straight DJ set by DJ Scratch. And people, one, 80% of Twitter is just like, yo, this DJ is dope. And like people never had, heard of him before. they had never heard of DJ Scratch before. Ever, ever, ever. And they were just like, yo, this guy's pretty good. And I was just like, I was just sitting there just wide mouth. Like, yo, are you kidding me? So people are losing their minds because this is the first time they hear real transitions. Like, not a playlist. Not just like, yo, we got this and it goes to the... No, he's, he's he mixing, he's mix. scratching. Yeah, yeah he everything. He was in the mix. Perfect. Perfect. Going from this genre to that genre. Talking over it like, oh, he plays the sample for this track here. Oh, we taking it back. Blah, blah, blah. Like, giving the little, you know, being he a DJ. New York to it. Yeah. yeah, being a DJ, and people were shocked. And that's why I'm glad I have you here, is when did that die? Because you, 
I mean, you see the Fripper Kid. Let's take um, we we can take I, it back before we talk about when it died. Let's take now. It back. When you talking about the in the club DJ or the hip hop DJ? I would say the hip hop DJ. I I think I know when it died, but I feel like you you can pinpoint that more. The, the last the last DJ that I honestly can say, um, besides like you know. Tribe De La is um uh what was his name um Evil D with Black Moon. Okay. So Black Moon was kind of the last time where you got cuts on your record, and it was still more moving forward. But as far as like continuously like um you like wouldn't put Red Primo Man. there. You wouldn't put Primo there. Yeah, pre, pre, yeah, Primo, Primo stands. That's it. That's Primo though. So Primo keeps it alive. Like you can't yeah. get a Primo track without him doing cuts. However, the Primo cuts was was a little different than let's say Evil D or even um, EPMDs or or even Daylight, where you would just get live cuts and scratches. Where Primo would sample your something you did before and drop it in. You know, like he would he would kind of take a lot of gurus, older stuff, and basically make the hook out of something he already said before. Whereas in the original DJ, you just got scratches and mixes and blends with with no yeah. dialogue, and he wasn't. That's what made Premier different because he will always scratch like that. So to answer your question, like I would say, '94 is when hip hop went left, and I think the DJ got taken out of it in 94 I would say yeah like I was thinking around the same time and in in no disrespectful way at all but you know when they say like yo video killed the radio star that, that was the MTV joint VJ's killed the DJ once the DJ said and you have what like yo MTV raps when they had um, Ed Lover and Dre on there, right? Like, when the DJ said, I can be the guy, I can be the talent, it was over. Mm -hmm. It was no more me pairing up with a hip-hop artist. For what? I don't need that. And then you get it taken further to where, if you take it as disrespect or no disrespect, I don't care, Funk Master Flex put the nail in the coffin because at that point he was like I am the talent I am larger than life I'm going to make this about me mm -hmm. and it never went back yeah because but the the, the but what happened is and even though people tend to not agree but hip hop was New York based and driven so in New York at that time BLS and KISS, 98.7 KISS, stopped doing hip-hop. So then all you had was, um, uh, what's the name, um, Hot 97. And Flex was the number one DJ at Hot 97, so he had no competition. Prior to that, you had Red Alert on KISS FM, and then you had, uh, um, what's the name, um, on, on BLS um, from, from Queensbridge. And basically what, what, so basically what you had was you had to battle to be on the radio. 
and then you had Papito and Stretch Armstrong that was on the bottom of the dial. But yeah. all of those platforms stopped doing hip hop and you only have one. So Flex became the quote unquote DJ radio. And then that's when a lot of breaking hip hop stopped. Like you had platforms where you could have your songs, underground songs, building momentum through the radio where on Hot 97, you know, you, you got payola, not can't say payola, but you had certain artists. You had the bad boy artists. You had yeah. the rockfella artists. And then if you wasn't one of those, it was harder to break in. But I would say that Flex technically was the radio version of the Kid Capri. You already had these, but all of them got kind of pushed out because of Flex and it just became Flex. Flex and Clue was around for a little minute, but yeah, Clue was a, a, a mixtape DJ. But as far as like radio, that's that's what happened. So technically, I would say to answer your question, were, were you trying to go with it, that Flex kind of, but he he really didn't have effect on the music component though. Because if you notice, in live performances, they still had DJs. Yeah, but, but it wasn't, never wasn't, it wasn't on the wax their, no more. Yeah, it wasn't their DJ necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. it Part wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't EPMD. You know, it wasn't Eric B and Rakim. Like, it wasn't, mm -hmm. it wasn't like, okay, this is necessarily my DJ. We've seen, we've seen now some DJs technically keep it alive as producers. Like, Ninth Wonder is the DJ for Lil Brother. And you always been part of Little Brother. I think they recently broke up, but nonetheless. But people know Ninth as a producer for everyone. So it's like you you can't do one without the other. No more. Like you you have to do a little bit of everything. Like you just can't produce for your crew. And then outside of that, not many of those DJs are just going and spinning sets. Like you you're not doing anything without your crew. If you ain't on tour with your crew. You ain't just out there spinning sets. So people are like, yo, DJ Scratch. Like, this is amazing. Because they don't hear real people spinning anymore. Like, no one goes out there and just just spins. But but look at D-Nice. D-Nice is still spinning. And D-Nice yeah. was an MC with yeah. KRS-One. But he was always DJ. He was D-Nice. And then he went into the to the true 100% DJ component of, of his career because it was better than him as an MC. But even back then, the majority of the producers were DJs because they was finding the break, they was finding the loops, and then they started becoming, okay, we're a group, but my job is to do the beats, more so yeah. than an MC, kind of like the RZA, where... He was a DJ, first yeah. and foremost, you know what I mean? So you, those now, so right now they probably are some, the, the art of club music and the DJ talking on top of it, like you said, he was in the mix, that art is, is, is it's, it's a New York-based thing. And then normally when you get it in New York City, you're going to get it in the older dudes club. You're going to get the yeah. Boosie Bs of the world. You know what I'm saying? You're going to get them... And, and and Capri Kid Capri still rocks, but those are like a plus forty year old crowd type now. Which is crazy because EDM does it for eighteen year olds and they love it. Like EDM is just the DJ talking over stuff and then dropping the beat. 
like it's a model that still works just not in hip-hop like you know so i mean kids are amazed on verses now when they like see this and they're like yo dj scratch is so dope and you know you you look at that and it's like versus is kind of at least open these youngsters eyes to it a little bit so hopefully it makes a resurgence like it'd be dope for kids to be like yo i want to be a dj again you know like to bring it back um what's some of the who's the best you've seen spin as dj i've ever seen spin yeah like if you had to choose like one thing that sticks out to me i'd say i was like 19 i knew the the host at this club out here in Vegas. It used to be in the Venetian. I don't remember what it was. And Kid Capri was spinning one night. I was 19. And I went to just listen to Capri spin. And he let me in because I was... He got me in, me and my boy in, because there was like a group of girls and they do like girl bottle service or whatever and you get free tables. So he snuck us in with that group. And nobody on inside cared because be like, yo, we need girls like to do the ratio. So the ratio was like 12 girls to two of us. So they were like, yeah, no, nah, no problem. Come in. They didn't even card. But uh, yeah, I had like one drink. I wasn't even drinking crazy. I just went and I spent four hours at a club listening to Capri Spin. And he just crushed that set. One of the best, one of the best I heard. And shout out to Mecca from Two Dope Boys, who was at Wale Mania in uh, New York. I think, and uh, did this set that was just incredible. They're there. I mean, if you had to ask me, I would say Capri. I would say Kid Capri. Now, you saying, okay, because Kid Capri's now, Brucey B's, you know, that's like family. So Bruce <laughs> would be mad and be like Capri, but Capri's <laughs> better than Bruce. Like, Bruce, my man, like, DJ Osmonic still opens for, for Bruce, like, you know what I'm saying? But when it comes to talking and keeping a party going, Bruce and Brucey B and Kid Capri is right there. Um, as far as a person getting in the mix, and I was in a club, uh, the Roombas in the Bronx, which is the, it was the disco fever, then it turned to Roombas, and DJ, DJ Carmelo killed it one night, like Ted Smooth, like that to me was probably, and this was um, uh, the late 90s. So you want to go 97-ish to like 2002 when Roombas was really popping. And then you had you had Flex was there on Monday nights. Uh, you had Carmelo. You had Ted Smooth. You had Bruce C.B. And that was your Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday DJs. And it was bananas. So now watching them nightly, um, I would say... Uh, Carmelo's underrated because he only says DJ Carmelo. That's all he says. <laughs> but in the mix, in the mix, he he was really good in the mix. But as far as talking is concerned, uh, Bruce and 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 Kid Capri and and growing up hip hop, I saw Kid Capri's whole style was with DJ Starchild, who passed away. And Starchild, if you hear Capri, it was is DJ Starchild because Capri was holding Starchild's records. So when they would do shows. Capri would carry the crates. That was how you came up as a DJ, which is which is where like I'm not sure if you watch the Get Down, the Get Up, yeah, right, the Get Down, the Get Down. It's the Get Down, right? And it's so accurate, even though it's not. It's based on true events, but DJs back then you would have to say, "So I'm the I'm the father 
right? I'm, I'm Kel Sr. Kel Jr. would carry the crates when, we, when I did a show. And then all of a sudden, now I retire, I'm out the loop, and then you become the star. Or you yeah. just became the star and pushed me to the side. So, yeah, but that's what Kid Capri did with Star Child. But, yeah, so right now, if I had to pay my last dollar to watch a DJ spin, I'm watching Kid Capri. Yeah, I think Capri is the total, kind of the total package there. I mean, watching Primo spin is dope. You know, because he just spins his records. Like, watch, I saw Just Blaze set at a like a Vegas festival. That was just crazy. Cause he really just had to play his catalog. Like he played a little bit here and there, but it's really just his beats. So it's incredible to just hear him spin. Like, yo, you got hits. But just hear everyone, like you said, just in the mix. Um, yeah, man, my dude Mecca from Two Dope Boys. And Mech does shows for a ton of people. He did this set for Wale Mania at WrestleMania week where every track was fed into. No, it came out of every track ended up the sample that it came from. Mm. So when you have like the bridge is over, like you, you found like a new song and then it was like just a hint of it. And then boom, he went right into the bridge is over perfectly. And you're like, oh shit, that's the sample. And then like a J track, and then right into, and then the Kanye track, and then like the 1970s, like super jazz. And he did that for an hour and a half. Song sample, song sample. When yo, I was just like, yo, this is bananas. So there's the a Biggie song that Ashante did over, and I was uh, with with a guy like like uh, sister coach of Phoenix College. Mac, he's from Alabama. He had company. I was at his house. And you and Mac's around the same age. So um, the Biggie song came on, and Ashanti uh, yeah. was her version. And so yeah. the girl was with us. She was like, oh, I never heard. She never heard the Biggie one. So she thought the Ashanti one was the original one. And then he was like, nah, Biggie was the first one. And then I said, no, that's Elder Barge. <laughs> and they was like Elder Barge and I said I put on the Elder Barge record and then when it came I said wait for the break here's the break boom uh, the, I can't, I'm not gonna sing it though but it was the, the Biggie version it was like and Puffin them just took the whole loop like yeah. they didn't change anything they added maybe maybe little bass fillers and, 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 and but that was it then you know, of course they ran, did the percussion on top of it but it was the loop um, so yeah it's funny how this generation isn't aware of that and knowing because once Fruity Loops came in, I mean, people was playing sounds. They wasn't really yeah. sampling. Even though they, they're still sampling now, it's just that the way a record is mixed, the sample is tucked. If you understand what I'm saying, it's low. It's not prominent in the track. Yeah. So it's the vocals are more prominent. So you really don't get the feeling of it. You you really can't tell is that a sample or is that just, just something somebody yeah. played. But I have a question for you um, regarding DJing. With the way music is now, when you hear a good set, are they playing songs from my era or are they playing songs from today's era? Because Damn. today's era is there in a mix. Because 95% of the songs is going to sound the same from a, from a music perspective because yeah. it's like reggaeton, but hip-hop style. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. It's, I, I've seen very few, I probably counted on one hand, 
mixes that are really good current mixes but I have heard several where it's like yo but it, it comes back to you can't do any of those without using songs from early 2000s 90s 90 like you know like all of those are always mixed in like if you're asking a straight set like of new music mm-hmm. no like I, I heard DJ Mustard spin that's the closest as I've been to new music but you gotta think like he has the YG catalog that he did so that's super west coast so he spun west coast YG like new YG with Kendrick and all this stuff like but it was west but then he did hits so he got hits for like a Beyonce track so then that turned him into like okay Beyonce lane now he spun a little bit of the new J now some Rihanna now blah blah and then he got hits with an east coast dude like he might do a Rocky track or a Drake track that he got and then boom he spins that into the new Drake and then he's moving around the east uh, he got a, a song with Chris Brown that sounds like a down south beat though so he runs to Chris Brown and the next you know you go from that to Chris Brown and Future and then for and in and out but he used his beats and his music to connect it mm-hmm Mm-hmm. So that's he, the only, he that's the only going, time I've seen yeah, it. He, he wasn't just going no. that song to the next song to the next no, song no, no. to the next it song. Had a couple method. little cuts, little cuts. Yeah, drop no. the next song, talk on no. top, none of that. No, he and, had a method to the madness. But it. his method to the madness was his stuff. Like, I've done so many hits for people. I can take you down my journey yes. and mix in and make it relevant by by genre. by Not genre, but by like geography yeah so it, it made sense so a lot of people don't even try that they're just like yo top 40 this order done see i was going to just say that so technically he was in the mix but he was doing a show of his own particular music so he, he gave you a show he yeah. wasn't just a pure dj in that sense but that's what i was going to say the artistry of djing and mixing and blending and keeping the crowd rocking is gone because you could just have a computer with a playlist and just hit a button, a button, a button, a button, a button, go to next on, next on. I've been in a couple of clubs where, no rhyme or reason, there's a song that's playing in that uh, 2019 new record, right? And then they'll go to a song from 1995. Like, you can't go from 2019 to... Nice. Yeah. And they come back to 27 like they're all over the place. Cause it's just like I'm, I'm like, are they DJ DJ and blindfolded? There is no no cutting. There's nothing, yeah. no blending, nothing to do that. But I don't think these kids even party at the club. I mean, I haven't been to a young club enough. Who knows how long? Anyway, but do they dance in the club? Do they do anything but play the couch and I, pop bottles? Like, do they do they do they dance anymore? I don't. I don't dance. I. I'm, I'm just saying. Like, I didn't go to a club. Go to club. I know there's girls dancing on top of girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or on top of the wall, section. Yeah, like, like I don't go to a club unless I get a table. So yeah. Not me, me, that, me, me too as well. Yeah. But even when Bougie we had club, a table, when we had a table, there was people on the dance floor. Yeah, like I've <laughs> I've only seen that at EDM clubs, and they're just rolling all night. So I I don't know like. That's just what they do. Exactly. But in hip-hop clubs, yeah, I mean, I guess the dance floor is packed, but everybody got a drink in their hand. 
Everybody, honestly, in a club club, everyone's just looking at everyone else. So either, <laughs> your word, like either you're on Snapchat or Instagram, uh-huh. looking at your phone, trying to show people that you're in the club and dancing, or you you drunk, you pulling people over, they doing shout outs on your IG live. Yeah. Or IG stories, whatever it is, on your Snapchat. Or you, you on the dance floor with your drink, or if you got a table, you there with your drink, looking cool, and just watching everyone else. No one, there's no rhyme or reason to a club anymore. Yeah. People don't go there to like pull people and hook up, because people have no social skills. Nah. So like, if you ain't hooking up on Tinder or Plenty of Fish or Bumble, you're not hooking up. So meeting girls at the club, pulling numbers, taking a girl home, like that ain't that ain't happening unless you got paper. And you literally just bought her and a friend a bunch of drinks or whatever, and she's coming with you for some money type stuff. But, like, outside of that, like, no one's pulling girls at a club. No one's dancing. There's no dance battles. There's no, I dance better than you. Like, there's no clicks like that. Yeah. So, like, that that's not happening. There's nothing to do at a club. Nothing. Nothing to do there. Um, if I'm there, it's because it's free. And I'm trying to get drunk off of free liquor. Like, that's that's it. Like, that's my only purpose of being in a club. Like, I go to a club to get drunk. And it's probably the least enjoyable place to get drunk. Hands, not even pro- hands down, it's the least enjoyable place. I like getting drunk at bars, at home, at people's cribs, at sporting events. The club is the worst place to get drunk. I don't, I feel much better now because... You know, I obviously don't go out as much because there was really no reason. So, you know, when I'm in Phoenix, you know, everybody socializes in Scottsdale. So, you know, 10 years ago, I'm not talking 30, 40. I'm talking about like eight years ago, 2012. You go to Scottsdale and it be popping in Scottsdale. And then I've been to Scottsdale maybe two weeks ago. I mean before COVID let's just say because COVID shut up pre-rona yeah pre-rona and it still was boring as hell so I was like yo I thought I was too old for the scene and maybe it was something I wasn't understanding but if you and it's still your prime and you saying there's nothing there I don't feel bad at all now I feel bad for the culture that they don't know how to just enjoy themselves it's all about the front it's all about I'm fronting I'm, 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 I'm fronting, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Like, nah, you, you ain't enjoying yourself because after, after, you're going back to who knows what. So, the funniest thing to do, I don't have Snapchat, but I see it on IG stories. The funniest thing to do is, like, they'll put your location, and you can mm-hmm. see other people's stories, like, in your location, is to go out to lounge or, like, a little club area, and you'd be like, yo, it's kind of dead in here. Like, no one's doing anything. But then you look at the stories of the people around you, mm. and you would swear this is the best shit ever. Like, you would swear that, like, they're having a blast. It's so fun. They're drunk. The music is going. They can't. Oh, my God. It's a movie. <laughs> You're like, it's lit. Like, whatever. Like, people are just having a blast. And you look in real life, you'd be like, yo, ain't shit going on. It's incredible. Oh, that's, that's the best thing to do. People, you can create a complete cyber life, even in reality. And yeah. that's, that's where people are right now. Um, talk about, like, you, you had touched on before we went off on a tangent. You had touched on 
Biggie and kind of like that era and everything. The Biggie documentary just dropped on Netflix. There's a million of them in the world. But this new one had like some exclusive footage by his boy who followed them around. Cool. It was dope. New York during that era, we talked about the DJs. But that was probably the zenith. That was the top. That was a mountaintop for New York rap. If it was built on the backs of everyone else, that's when it hit the mountaintop. 97 on, it started on the decline. It wasn't a rapid decline. I'd say like 2005, it hit a steep decline. Nah, it hit a steep decline prior to that. I want to say 50 nah, cent 50, was the last. 50, that yeah. was it. Yeah. That was 2003, 2004. Exactly. Dipset, 2003, 2004. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And they, then yeah, exactly. you fell off a cliff. <laughs> so that was, that was the end of that era. But the Biggie era and just those, what's crazy is such a small window. So what, 90, I'll extend it. I, I don't, I mean. 92, you, 91? That it was the Zenith? No, through like the Biggie era itself, like outside of Z, like the Bad Boy era that this focused on. Because I talk about Bad Boy era was 94 to about 2000. Because remember, Flavin' Your Ear came out in 94, and that was their first hit record. Yeah, but Biggie had a joint on Uptown before. Yeah, but it, it Biggie still was not a household name. He was still being promoted. Yeah, like, you know, I, I'd he say was, from... Before he was a household name, when it started, like the start of Biggie, okay, tail end of Nas, you had Wu, but it was still West Coast heavy. So at 93, I'll go 93 through, let's say 98, 99 with Maze, that era, I talk about it a lot because I was closer than most, you were closer than damn near all to the era and what that was like in hip hop. So I talk about it like my Uncle Chuck, was at Uptown for a while. Where'd he go after Uptown? Arista? No, he went to uh, Motown. Motown. Wow. Motown offices after Uptown. So um, Uncle Mario's that bad boy at the time. You dropped your sour face, sour face cloud, which is dope. Like, yo, I YouTubed it the other day. The music holds up. But like everybody was in the scene. Everyone was making moves at that same time. Like, that's something you can't get off of a documentary, necessarily. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, when do you think it started to, to the, the climb to that level? 90, 98 was the, I'd, I'd said 97. It's, 97 it's was it, probably, it was that, was, that was the mountaintop. 98, everything else was... And I love Jay. Jay can't be the only from, one. From 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 it just everything it appears to be like that because the you had so okay, I can't argue that. Only because there was a lot of controversy. You had the Pac, the Biggie, the East Coast, the West Coast, you had young executives, you know what I'm saying, that was in the front of it. You know, obviously you know Pac I mean, you know Puff and and and, and, and um What's the name of uh, Death Row, right? Yeah. Um, then you so, had Dame. You had then, Irv. Then, then you had Dame, Irv. You had Jermaine Dupri. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You had it was it was the young black executive that was in the forefront. But from a rhyming perspective, from a hip hop perspective, nah, it was it was better to me, honestly, where it was just 
tons of artists, East Coast, West Coast. I think 93 was the top. 93 was the top, and then it was a slow decline, but as far as the art itself, you understand what I'm saying? Because before that, you figure it started going up in like 86, 85, 86 with Slick Rick. You went Slick Rick. You went, um, um, uh, you went Big Daddy Kane. You went Biz. You went, um, Rock Kim. All different styles, yeah. but they took it to another level where it was just like, because prior to Slick Rick and all of them, you still kind of had, you had, uh, what's his name? Um, Run DMC. And Run DMC yeah. was better than Cold Crush and all of them. And then you had, but the best hip hop win. And again, to go back to say how I can come up with that opinion is because we had those two radio stations and then you had the underground station. So what we would do on Friday night was we had the double box cassette and we would record the radio station and you would play all the new songs during the week and each weekend you could record the radio show and get new music so that's a lot of music so to me personally from 86 to 93 was when it was just out of you had you had so many different topics you had um you had uh flavor flav and 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 um Chuck Public D, Enemy, yeah. Public Enemy, like, they, they was talking about something else. And, and Chuck could rhyme. It wasn't like he just was political. Like, he could rhyme. Then you yeah. had your battle rappers, the EPMDs of the world. And then they brought in Redman. And then you had Tribe and Jungle Brothers. I was listening Jungle to Jungle Brothers, Brothers yeah. album. And, and <laughs> I, was, uh, that, I was just listening to that today. Like, the Jungle Brothers, they was a one-hit wonder, a one-album wonder. But you had Jungle Brothers. And that dropped in eighty. Eight when you was born, you know what I'm saying, and that was just to me better music than the Biggie run. The Biggie run was more everything changed to yo we getting money, money rapping, money rapping. We got money and or drug they all, or, or they rode the wave off of Nas's picture of drug rap. So yep. you know, and and that was it. All right, so if ninety three ninety four. Yeah, 92, 93 is the zenith, right? So you had Down South, you had Outkast, you had Dungeon Fit or um, Goody Mob, the whole Dungeon Family, all that. You start getting the Texas vibes, Scarface coming out, West Coast is popping. Uh, you've been had Ice-T, Cube is starting to make his solo run. You get Death Row. Yeah, that's probably the zenith, right? So, okay, then I guess Bling Jiggy Rap is where it starts going downhill. Biggie still is like on a mountain top, but it hasn't fallen yet. So if '93 is the top of the mountain, they kept it afloat for like three, four years. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah, they so did. it's like it had like a little flat plateau, yeah, and then it fell off the cliff. Yeah. So all of this is to say that the documentary, what it reminded me of, is Biggie only had two albums. He was so young. Pac had a million albums, but he was still super young. When you look at the people like held at that regard that early, when Nas was 19 when he made Illmatic, hip-hop has always kind of been a young man's game. The quality when people were young was so high. I, I feel like now the quality is with the same older rappers. 
Like I'm I'm listening to Royce's album, Royce's 40. Jay-Z just had a song with Nipsey and might have the verse of the year so far. Jay is 52. 52. 51. Like the young guys, I don't know, maybe I'm just not young. Nah, when but you when all this was happening, because I know you like Nas, but they were all your age. What were people 10 years older than you saying? Like, did they like the Nas, the Biggie when they hit all this? Or are they like not like were they still clutching on to like, yo, I want to listen to MC Shan? Like, or were they? No, actually, actually, no, not at all. They was like, these young dudes is killing it because there was no, there was no uh, denying it because it was the same artistry taken to another level. But you have to remember, and to answer your question, why it's a young man's game, the original forefathers, they was 19, 20, 21 at that time. Flash and, and, and they was 19. That's why the Get, the get Down is such a, a great show because they was high school, early, like early college ages and stuff like that. So it was from the birth, it was a young man's game. So now you young and then now I'm influenced by you. I'm, I'm in the fourth, fifth grade. I can't wait to get my time. That's why it's kind of like Nas said, you know, when I was young at this, I used to do my thing hard. Or when he was like, I was too scared to grab the mics in the parks. And, because we was influenced by that. And it was just, when can we get our time? And then once we hit 18, 19, 20, then it was our time. And then the older dudes just kind of just fell to the, to the, to the backside because in, in music period, everybody wants to know the next hot person. And then the, that next hot person was coming up with something banging. So you couldn't have a hit record and it not be hot. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, and again, now it's our time. Now we're 16, 17. We had it all the way until we was, again, now we young executives. So when I say we, I mean my generation who was born in it, right? So now I'm third, fourth grade, flashing them is coming out. And then now it's my turn to rhyme, and I'm in high school into college, and now I'm a young man getting money, and now we are the Puff Daddies in the world. I think about it. Puff is 50, 51. Yeah, and he's been that executive, boy ended executive 20 years, years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been 20 years since he had a hit record, damn near, if you want to really like that. He produced. Yeah. You know, I'm not talking about getting on the French Montana bandwagon. I'm saying that he produced. It's been 20 years, so he was 30 and washed. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? Like, if yeah. you want to, it was a young man's game. And then when it stopped being a East Coast, West Coast traditional rapper game, 50 was young at the time. So now it's just the young generation's time. So it, it really didn't change. It's the young dudes, they're they not carrying it. They're not doing nothing yeah. innovative. They're not, they, they don't rap. They don't rhyme. They don't, it's, Kind of like the DJ. They don't have to mix. They could press a button and play a record. It's yeah. very microwavable, very lazy. You know what auto I'm saying? Auto-tune auto fixes everything you need, too. And then auto-tune ain't really that good. But if, if you do auto-tune, and it was funny when Jay-Z did the death of auto-tune, so it must be like Dracula because it made his way back. It, 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 it went to Melodyne for a hot second because nobody wanted to get on the on the on the on the auto tune, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden it just came back. But <laughs> I wanna say this generation just really feels like if Kel is doing something and it's hot, 
I have to do the same exact thing. I can't do something different than Kel and still be myself. So yeah. the copycat, what they're doing is very lazy. So now for you to get what you, the fix you need out of it, the innovative stuff, the only people who can continue to do that was the people who was unique from day one, from jump, which is yeah. us. So yeah, you're going to get it. And like, when you can't do something, it's two things you could do. You could, you could be a hater. Oh, it's not good. It's not good. That's whack. Or you could be, yo, not as dope. You know, I wish I could do it. I can't do it. Or you could be like, these kids be like, oh, we don't do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're rock stars. We're, you know, we're not yeah. MCs. We're not rappers. That's not what we do. So you can't call it that. So, but yet they want to say it's still a rap genre. Nah, they're not rappers. They're not MCs. Like, they doing something else. Give it its own name, and we won't hate on it. Yeah. If you don't call it rap, you don't say you, you can't, you know what I'm saying? You can't say we playing football, and you you doing rugby dogs that's rugby that's not yeah. football so that's that's what it is so it's still a young man's game because it always will be but they're just not doing nothing to get you excited yeah nothing at all nothing like back then like nothing 21 year old biggie dropping ready to die 20 year old Nas dropping ill matt like it, it's not it's not even not even the same and uh that leads me to our last topic pops and that's Something I saw on Twitter. Someone else watched this Biggie documentary. Shout out to my dude Spence. Views from the Seven. Um, you can check them out. They're wild dudes over there. But uh, Spence's tweets are always off the wall bonkers. But it gives me good ammo for the show. He said, which is completely false. And I let him know this off rip. That Eminem has the best one-two punch in hip-hop history. In terms of albums. And I love Em. Like, in my heart of hearts. Especially early M. But it's false. He chose Marshall Mathers LP and Eminem show as the best one-two punch in hip-hop history. The Eminem show, Marshall Mathers LP is incredible. The Eminem show is not, not that on the second album. It is not. But, it made me think, what are the best one-two punches in hip-hop history? It doesn't have to be first and second album. Just what's the best bong, bong, one-two, back-to-back punch albums in hip-hop history he mentioned dmx that's tough because it's hard for me to narrow down two dmx's to go back to back i'm not sure if x has one classic album maybe one the hell is hot or whatever like maybe that one i'll give him as a classic album maybe like so jay doesn't got the the back-to-back boom boom just knock it out of the let's, park let, let's think about it though because Prior to Jay, you was only getting an album every year and a half, which is still good. Like, but still you people know, like, like put like, out back to back. No, because that time in between the year and a half and when they came out with their second album, somebody else jumped in and was was hot, and people just really wasn't trying to check for them. Like yeah. it, it was weird. Like like EPMD, for example, they didn't have a bad album until until matter of fact, Mob Deep. Might be back to back banging albums because they second album when they had the um the uh the, the sample they used from Scarface, boom 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 that um I can't remember the name of the record but their second album Hell on Earth was as good as their first one, Ooh. and their first one was classic. No, so first you could one, go back classic. to back. Yeah, but see, but the second one they they still was yeah the infamous the was way. better. 
Yeah, yeah. The infamous, if you, was if you, the infamous better than Hell had, on Earth. But, but, didn't mean it. It doesn't fit your criteria as back to back banging albums. You didn't say the first one was had to be better no, no, than no, that, no. or the second one by course not. But yeah, but they that had, had shook ones. Yeah, um, survival of the fittest. Survival Shook of the fittest. On that. Yeah. Um, Cradle to the grave was on that. Mm-hmm. It's good. I mean, I, I'd probably put if I had to say like the best one-two punch in hip hop history is Tribe. I mean, they only had a one-two punch. Like that's all they gave you. And the reason why I say that is because the second album had more fight on it. So that's when fight came up. That's what made it yeah. hot because. Low in theory. The I like low in theories more than Midnight Marauders. Maybe. Oh, me too. Me yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, me too. But they spoon fed you Fife to where you wanted to hear more Fife, and then when they came out with the second one, it was like Fife was then on every record. So it was like, okay, you got a lot of Fife. Yeah. And Fife I, was the original <laughs> Mad Rapper. He was just, he was just angry. Oh, um, Outcast. It's tough because my two favorite Outkast albums are split by AT Aliens, which I know mm-hmm. people love AT Aliens. It's a great album. But if it went, you know, Southern Playlistic followed by Equemini, I think Outkast would have it for me. But even then, Equemini and Stankonia back to back is pretty damn good. Stankonia had, Stankonia had the hits, Equemini was just lyrically incredible back to back. Um, I'm taking Nas out of this. Nas didn't have two good albums. <laughs> we, we've talked about it on this show, Pops. People believe, this is a whole different Twitter topic, that It Was Written is better than Illmatic. Like, there's, there's a wave of people. A wave, like, a tidal wave of people who believe this. So, no, but It Was Written was okay. Like, it was cool. But I can't even think, like, before then, LL's two albums back-to-back. Back. See, I try to go back and figure out, like, yo, who really had that two-album run? And uh, I don't know, man. Tribe was so, so classic. EPMD might, might be close. Tribe's two albums or EPMD, Strictly Business and Unfinished Business. Because that's another yeah. one that automatically hit me. Incredible. 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 Because they bought out Red Man on that one. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> no, Unfinished that, that Business was, and Strictly uh, Business back to back is it's tough. It is t- like people sleep on EPMD on that run. Yeah. Yeah, no, EPMD, he, see, the thing was that Red Man was so good, but he came out, it kind of like, was like, okay, EPMD is not as good as we thought they was, because <laughs> was just on another level, and I'm an EPMD fanatic, like, that was my crew, but when Red came, it was like, ooh, okay, nah, you're not on that level uh, at all, but no, I, I still think, like, if you want to say that, because, um... Or does Biggie take it? Putting, yeah, Jay-Z just kept putting album, 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 and he, he just, his momentum, his snowballed, he just was incredible. But I thought, I mean, Biggie's, Biggie's second album just, between 
everything that Biggie went through, and and then he had the um, when he had the it, technically that was his album with his crew. Yeah, the Junior Mafia album. Yeah, that that was his album. It wasn't his yeah. album, but it was his album. It kept him afloat. Um, but I thought, I, I mean, Biggie's two albums is incredible. Yeah, I mean, Life yeah, After I, Death. People criticize the second disc, and I just don't know how. Yeah, nah. like uh, it's it's wild to me. Like once you go, listen, the first disc. If the first disc stood alone, it'd be a classic in its own, right? Like somebody's got to die, hypnotized, kicking the door. Um, Last day was my joint. I love the dough with Jay. My money, more problems. What's beef? I got a story to tell. As an that outro, album, is crazy. That album made him the greatest rapper of all times because his first album didn't have him as the greatest rapper of all times. No. He was really good, but that yeah. second album was, you know, Tom Brady esque. Like, yeah, like, that was damn, like, that was it. Like, it. So, so if you're it's the greatest rapper ever, is yes. <laughs> yeah. If you're the greatest rapper ever and you only did two albums, you gotta have the back to back two greatest albums ever. One album That's... might carry the other one. You know what I'm saying? Because the party yeah. and for it was fun. It was it was cool, but you know it, it was it was it was good. It wasn't classic, but the second one was ridiculous. Nah, yeah, you're completely right, pops. Like that Biggie album is just bananas. So going back back to back, if Biggie's the best ever, then Biggie's the best ever. He has the best one-two punch in hip hop history. So man, it, it's it's been a ball. I loved it, pops. Thank you. Um, none but the best. We're headed to break. Everyone, hopefully you guys enjoyed this conversation between me and my pops. That is my guy. You guys stick around, though. Plenty of pro wrestling still to come in the next two segments. going to be a blast. Shout out to the old man, Andreas. He'll be back next episode. You guys don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Back. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, everybody, just that quick, we are back. Shout out to my pops for joining us. That's always a fun segment. It's been a couple years since I've had pops on the show. So that I'm flying solo today. It was dope to bring him in, chop it up, talk hip hop. He's a wild dude. So it's always nice to hear him. You know, that's my heart. My pops is like, he looks younger than me. So we go out and people are like, yo, that's your brother. Like, it's crazy. He's still young enough to get that bounce, give those vibes. So him coming on the show, it just fuels me to have fun and to be better. And it's always good to share time, you know, with your parents and allow them to enjoy something that is special to you. So Pops enjoys the podcast with me. So it was dope to have him on. But now it's time to talk pro wrestling. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty, the super detailed, all of that of this show because the old man's not here today. So what I'm going to do is talk more, just get us through the week that was, talk more of the general's topics of the week, and then of course I'll preview AEW Revolution, in which me and the old man on Sunday will recap it and get you into a week of pro wrestling after that. So now that I'm here alone, where do I start? I think... I am going to talk about NXT first because there's not a ton to talk about in NXT. We've covered a lot of the recent storylines, but the Twitterverse has been speaking and there are a couple rumors out there. The first being the NXT TakeOver Mania, I guess this would be NXT TakeOver Tampa, is going to be on a Thursday before Mania. I believe it's April 8th giving WrestleMania two days, Saturday and Sunday, the 10th and 11th, to happen. And then Friday, of course, is the SmackDown before Mania. So that is four straight days of pro wrestling. And that's not even counting the normal NXT show that usually happens on Wednesdays. I don't know how you roll a go-home show straight into your pay-per-view the next day. But maybe that's just a recap show. We've seen them do those before where they kind of just run all the highlight packages, explaining all the feuds, giving you background, and maybe having the the participants face off heading into the next night's events. So that would be really smart. Maybe throw a match on there like we just saw um, Karrion Cross versus Escobar. That wasn't on the last takeover so they did it the following week maybe you have one of those feuds blow off the week prior the women's division is deep you can throw the women on there for a great women's match it really makes for an interesting show that wednesday leading into a takeover the following thursday but crazy amounts of pro wrestling not including aw has a show wednesday as normal beforehand and they also have a special following WrestleMania on that following Monday. So AEW has a Monday special, AEW Dark on Tuesday following Mania, and the normal AEW Dynamite. Then we have, or excuse it might be the premiere, the new AEW show with the big show um, on commentary, or Paul White as he's now called. So on commentary, But they roll that out right after Mania. So that'll be a huge buzz around that. Of course, the Raw after Mania is always huge. And then that brings us to the second rumor is that NXT is moving to Tuesdays. Nothing confirmed yet, but the USA USA Network did 
just acquire the rights to the National Hockey League. Hockey generally runs on Wednesdays. It's a big hockey night. So to not disrupt that, I must, hockey probably takes precedent over NXT. But we've been clamoring on this show, people online. I know Andreas has been saying this forever. It should be split anyway. This just makes a lot more sense. AEW see a little spike, right? Cool. They'll probably go up maybe 50,000, 75,000 viewers for Wednesday, but it'll get them closer eventually to the 1 million mark. It's not like SmackDown is, or excuse me, Raw is that much higher anymore, right? Raw is dropping to new lows every day, and that's mostly because there's a lot of WWE program programming on over-the-top platforms, right? So you get it on the apps, you get it through your phone. There's plenty of different ways to watch. You could wait and watch on Hulu. All of that is little money that the WWE will get anyway, so they're not stressing the declining ratings. <laughs> Viz McMahon just got a billion dollar check from Peacock. So there's all these background things that go into it, but with AEW, those ratings as a new show trying to bring in new sponsors are kind of key. So get them closer to a million, get them closer to where they can say, yo, look at we're competing with Raw and not NXT anymore. And then NXT, they shouldn't be competing with them anyway. Do your thing, run your own race, be on Tuesdays, make it unique, don't worry about ratings, and your ratings will organically go up. They'll go up to the high end, what, 800,000 a show, 840, still probably 200,000 less than AEW, but it'll be way more eyes than what you're getting right now, because fans of both products no longer has to have to choose. So I like that move if it is true. I mean, there's several reports out there. It'd be a dumb report to lie about. <laughs> so if it does come to fruition, smart move by everyone at WWE. Hockey might have saved them and saved the NXT product, at least on television, because increased ratings means more money to spend. You can pay all these new recruits coming into the building. You're not wasting talent. You can launch a show like Evolve, which they're bringing back for Peacock exclusively and afford to pay these people. And I'm sure Vince will use a lot of the money to overpay talent to not go to AEW and back to the indies. And then he'll also use it to bring in people like Bill Goldberg or Brock Lesnar, whoever he can talk into coming out of retirement or pseudo-retirement to wrestle for a crazy lump sum of money. So the wheel keeps turning. That's what it is. Moving on to WWE main roster. Listen, there's only one thing to talk about, people. It's, it's, not, it's not rocket science, baby. Business is booming for not only the Herb business, but Bobby Lashley. Lashley, Lashley, Lashley. Oh, man, I miss that. Uh, by the way, wouldn't Leo Rush be an incredible member of the Hurt Business? What? Oh, man, this, like, faction would be great for him as a wrestler. I digress. But the Hurt Business now is draped in gold. Tag team championships. Those might be silver now. Regardless, they're draped in belts. Booked well. MVP is the mouthpiece. Shelton's still showing that he has a, a character, a voice, a gimmick outside of that. It's amazing. Lashley had the United States Championship. But at, what a week after losing that, 
didn't get pinned in the match. It was the triple threat. Easy money. Belts off of him. It's to Matt Riddle, who's also been kind of funny. Listen, I'm giving Riddle a chance. And then you're like, yo, what does this mean for Lashley? Is he going to go after Riddle again, try to get it back? We see immediately at the end of the last pay-per-view, cool, Miz kind of pays him to do his dirty work. Miz is the champion. People thought Miz was going to go into Mania as the champion. Not so fast. Because he had to pay what he owed. And Bobby Lashley came through. End of Raw. Last six minutes. Raw teased this every single hour. We thought it was going to kick it off. No, Miz ran away. Second time, Miz stomach hurt back in the back. Third time, he came out to the ring. He physically ran away from Bobby Lashley. Came back out last segment. Six minutes left. You're like, yo, what is going on? They made an impromptu Iron Man match to have people around the ring to make sure the Miz wouldn't get away. And Bobby Lashley made quick work of the Miz. Captured the title. Stood there. Did the signature point to the WrestleMania sign. We don't even know who he's pointing to. He just knows he's the champ. And his ass is going to WrestleMania. I don't even know if we've seen the champ point before. But regardless, he points at the sign himself like, yo, I'm going to be there. Who wants to smoke? He breaks down a little emotional, a little bit, catches himself. And him and MVP have the smirk in the back. There's the pictures of the Hurt Business all holding their titles. MVP in the suit. Bleach Report putting out posts, Black Excellence. This, and it best part, didn't happen in February. WWE is great for doing that, only for Black History Month. Happened on March 1st, baby. It shows that we can get a black champion anytime now. And that's my favorite part about this. Not just black, but all minorities. Just something different. Shout out to everyone in group chat. We had a convo about this. And it's funny, like at one point it was like, so is it bad to have white champions now? Like, no, white champions are fine. My my goat of all time is white. Like, it, it's cool. He had a bullet. So, that's fine. We just need to make it normal to have anyone as the champion. Which is the only reason why it's so important. And you have to force the issue of having black champions. Because that's not seen as normal. You can have Mexican champions. They've been there. Still not enough. Spanish champions, by any means. But a lot of those guys had to wear masks or Eddie Guerrero had the lychee and steel gimmick with a low ride. Like, there was still some stereotypical aspects. There wasn't any of that with Kofi Kingston. It's a feel-good story. Black guy. Faction. Paid his dues for all these years. That's what touched people's soul. Corey, Kofi Kingston touched people's souls. Same thing, even though he's a heel with Bobby Lashley, is that... The Hurt Business is a faction that could be white, it could be black, it could be Mexican, it could be Asian. Like, this could be Los Ignorables. This could be, um, man, L.I.J. This could be Suzuki Goon. Like, the, all those are just like Hurt Business. But we haven't seen that really succeed in the WWE. Not to the level where you put your top guy in the company Put the belt on him in a faction like that. Not an all-minority faction. Not a badass faction led by someone who wasn't white. So, to see this, it's like, okay, we're normalizing it. 
And that's what made it so important. That's what made it so dope. That's why I'm here chatting Lashley, Lashley, Lashley. It's because we're normalizing having a black champ. Only the third WWE champion that has been black. Yes, some have held the big gold. Your Booker, Mark Henry, shout out to them. But it wasn't the WWE championship. And we had to establish that and make that normal. So not making it a WrestleMania moment. We loved Kofi Mania. Me and Dre were there. We were, damn, we were ringside. We had our seats. We were in the videos. We are losing our minds. We loved Kofi Mania. But that was a WrestleMania moment. You had to do so much. You had to make it feel so big just for a black man to win the championship. This was a black man in a normal-ass crew, heel, winning the championship on a normal-ass Monday Night Raw. It could have been anyone. And that's where we have to get to. That's why it is so special. Because now, black people can win championships whenever. Shout out to the black women holding it down throughout wrestling. We're going to get an all-black woman uh, SmackDown Women's Championship match. Bianca and Sasha the boss. So that it's great seeing diversity everywhere. Asuka is champion, even though they're doing her a little wrong. And, uh, you know, her run hasn't been great. But Spanish women, everything. I love it. I just love to see the diversity. We need the same. We need another dope Spanish champion. Andrade Cien Almas is a guy you can push. You can make that shit happen. He's a guy that you're so close and they fell out of favor with him. Give him another run. That's a guy who can do it. Plenty of guys can do it. Shout out to the Samoan Dynasty as a family. They're pushing it. They're doing their thing. Roman Reigns, top of the game. So I love the diversity. We have to keep pushing it. Other companies are doing it. Impact does it very well. ROH doing it very well. AEW, a lot of people are critical. But you know what? Shout out to Dre. He talked, he talked to me about this too. After I was, uh, I wasn't overly critical, but I wasn't defending them necessarily. But he made it clear, like, yo, listen, no one there is in position to be champion yet. All of their minority talent is so green. Let them build. But they have pieces there that could build. The Jade chick who I just saw tag team with Cody was amazing. Yeah, they can build her. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to give them time. I'm going to give them time. So that's cool. I, I liked how that built. But black man is champ. Damn, it feels good. And I, I want everything to be champ. I, I want an openly LBGTQ person to be champ. A gay man is champ. There's dope just, just being themselves, being just be you. And that's okay to win a championship at WrestleMania, at a pay-per-view, at a Monday Night Raw, at a house show. Just be you. And I think that's what this Bobby Lashley thing showed us more than anything. So want to touch on that. I'll get into more of that, obviously, when Andres is here and pick his brain. We're going to hit our last break right now. When I come back, I'm going to break down and preview AEW's upcoming pay-per-view so you guys don't go anywhere. More show to go. Be right back. We'll get right back to the show in a second, but first, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. 
Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we are back for the home stretch, and we are talking AEW Revolution. Before we get into the pay-per-view and I give you my predictions for that, I have to talk about AEW Dynamite, the go-home show. And that's exactly how it started off. It was dynamite to start. I was weary about the Shaq, the whole, you know, Shaq guest appearance, what he was going to do. It was him in Red Velvet versus Cody and Jade uh, Jade Cargo, I believe. Um, I probably butchered her name. And she looked amazing, too. I feel so bad for doing that. So it was him and J- or Cody and Jade. And when the match kicked off, really... It was super smart because they had the women carry the beginning of the match. So Cody and Shaq had a couple spots. Uh, Shaq did a spot on the outside of the ring where he beat up the Nightmare Collective. Why is this still a thing? And growing, it's odd. But Shaq looked really good there. But the women really dominated the action in the ring. And they were really, really good. Uh, And I was correct, Jade Cargill. So Jade looked amazing. Uh, shout out to J- Justin Ivy, Reverse Rat Pack Group Chat, who was like, yo, she's going to be there, Charlotte. Like, she looked that good in the ring. She, Her presence is great. She just looks like a superstar. She's super green, not trying to rush her. But when we talk about the women's division needing star power, needing to add some people, I think she's a great addition. She just looks like a million bucks in and out of the ring. So her and Red Velvet carried the action. They brought out tables. They they had psychology in the ring. I, I could have just watched those two go at it. But, of course, Shaq and Cody get their little spots in. And then it ramps up towards the end where Shaq gets in. He does a power bomb to Cody before. He gives the Brody Lee tribute with the kissing the fingers. Amazing way to, you know, just endear himself even more, like Shaq needs it, to the AEW crowd. Like, once you do that, you're golden. So, smart move by Shaq and the people who put the match together. Then, Cody takes the powerbomb, great-looking powerbomb. I've seen pro wrestlers, real pro wrestlers, that can't do a powerbomb like that. So, Cody takes that, great bump. Fast forward, like, 30 seconds to a minute. Shaq is back on the apron. Cody does a dive over the ropes onto Shaq through two tables, and I lost my shit. I marked out. Great bump by Shaq. They took him to the back afterwards. He sold. Uh, They put him in an ambulance. Somehow he disappeared. That's where it got weird. But the match itself, the selling, everything, Shaq did his thing. He wasn't just out there to kind of do what he did in the Royal Rumble, right? Like him just there, big show, look clunky, go over the top. He took real bumps. It looked fun. Such a fun match. Way more fun than I thought it would be. And they crushed it. Knocked it out of the ballpark. It couldn't have been better. And then going along in Dynamite, they continued to set up other feuds. There were there was the uh, 
press conference with Jericho and MJF, which was pretty cool outside of like the bar stool, stool spart stuff. And uh, I did mark out when Eric Bischoff came. Who knew a babyface Eric Bischoff would work in 2021? But when he said that he was there on behalf of his 83 Weeks podcast, that shit was funny. So I think that was really cool. Um, a lot of people share our same networks. If you guys don't know. A wrestling with Stereotypes shares a network. Shout out to Conrad, who was also there. So that was funny. That was well done. Jurassic Express was in a match with FTR and Tully, which, you know, it saw the return of Ty Dillinger. Yes, I know his name is Sean Spears. I don't care. His mama named him Ty Dillinger. I'm going to call him Ty Dillinger. So no more 10 count, even though he's blonde. Kind of came back with the Cody blonde. But joined them, helped them win the match. There was moments in there where Tully looked great. Uh, the match to me wasn't as fun as the first one, but I could see people really enjoying it. They had a lot of callbacks, a lot of nostalgia. Arn came out afterwards, threw up the four. It was fun. Tully had a great like suplex spot. It was really cool to watch. Well done again. So it was, it was a fun episode to start. There was stuff mixed in that was okay, but it all made sense. It was a fun go-home show. Too often in WWE, we've just, as fans, gotten used to just boring, nonsensical go-home shows. Go-home shows that really just ended no finishes all night and kind of preview the same matches you're going to get at the pay-per-view that Sunday. They'll just run them with like a stupid stipulation and not have a finish. AW didn't do that. It made sense. They had fun. They built feuds and promos. And then everyone else who wasn't, you know, immediately in a feud or going to wrestle, they had matches. So it made a lot of sense. It was a fun go-home show. But now, time to get predictions for the pay-per-view itself. I'm going to go straight down the line here. Um, we have, I'm not doing the pre-show, even though Rio, Rio and Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker and Rebel might be fun. I mean, Thunder Rosa is great anytime she's in the ring. Britt Baker has really grown in her role. So I, I can't really pass that up. That's going to be fun. And then we have uh, the Dark Order in a casino tag team royale match to see who gets a future shot at the tag team champions. So Bear Country. I don't even know who Bear Country is. I should probably watch AEW Dark. Then the Dark Order... Um, has two teams, Alex Reynolds and John Silver, and then Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. It'll be funny to see how they play in there. We have uh, Santana and Ortiz, free LAX is the hashtag forever. They took the the bumps to build up the tag team feud. Man, just let them go. Let them go and do their own thing. So, I mean, there's some fun tag teams in there. I can keep going down the list, but there's so many to name. I mean, we have SCU, Kazarian and Daniels representing them, the Natural Nightmares, which whatever, Farsi Blondes, Death Triangle, so many good teams in their private party, of course. But I really want to see Dark Order number one team in there win, Alex Reynolds, John Silver, just because John Silver is hilarious, make for a good tag team down the road. The smart move would be for Santana and Ortiz to win. LAX, take this. And then now they're going to the back like, yo, Jericho, MJF, 
we have a tag team title shot in the future. Like, if you guys win, that's dope. We get to have a title shot. And it creates, like, that dysfunction kind of to get them the hell out of there, even though you'll hear my pick for that tag match. But it's just really cool to see, like, okay, you have a storyline where you've had the Bucks kind of put them through tables at the go-home show, all this stuff. Make sure they win. Carry on that storyline. Build more into that going forward. Next match, Miro versus Kip Sabian. Or excuse me, Miro and Kip Sabian with Penelope Ford versus the best friends, Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor in this match. Yeah, just get Miro far away from it, man. I'm done with the wedding. I'm done with the with the best man stuff. I, I'm, I'm good. Orange Cassidy is going to be great. The entrance is always dope. But Miro needs to win this, look super strong, and then start his singles run because that's really all that matters for him now. Right now, it's all about the singles run. Next match up, we're going with the Young Bucks tag team titles match versus the Inner Circle, Chris Jericho, MJF with Wardlow in the corner. It should be a good match. It's the Young Bucks. Do they have bad matches? MJF should be cool. Chris Jericho can do what Chris Jericho can do at this age. I don't expect Jericho and MJF to win. This should be the final straw. This should be the you keep costing me or Jericho mistakenly nails MJF at the end. Some shenanigans to create their dissension. Completely break the inner circle. Get rid of the faction. Everyone starts breaking up. We've already seen Sammy Guevara bounce. And we really start seeing the, the full split of the inner circle after this. And you got to do it for Papa Buck, which that promo was not my favorite. But you know what? That's what they're rolling with. Do it for Papa Buck. Next up, we have Team Taz, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks versus Darby Allen and Sting. There's a ton of tag matches on this card. Street fight. Sting's not losing, right? So Sting's going to hit somebody with a bat. Ricky Starks is cool, charismatic. And he's in a position where he can take the pin. That's just what it is, right? Like, it's not going to hurt him. Brian Cage is still huge. He's a monster. Um, Darby Allen is going to do something that you're like, yo, did Darby kill himself? No, but it's going to be super dope. Give me Sting, Darby Allen to win the street fight. A street fight stipulation really hides Sting at this point too, which is great. He doesn't have to do a ton of wrestling moves. Hit a stinger splash. Hit people with the bat. Get some rest time on the outside. Cool beans. Put somebody through a table or something. Uh, Scorpion Deathlock to win it. Pretty simple. Hide him. He's an attraction at this point. That's what he should be. So next up, we have uh, Shida versus Ryu. Uh, women's World Championship match. I just hope that is good. Uh, Shida as a character is just like whatever at this point. I, I think... They need to find a way maybe to work Britt Baker back into the picture because she just has the most um, camera-ready character right now. She's that chicken shit asshole heel. It just works. Let her roll with it. See what she got because she does, she does good in the ring, but she doesn't add anything to the vision. Right now, she's not capturing eyes. It's just it's a boring program. So Britt Baker at least carries the belt on TV every week. She'll be fun. She'll be funny. That's just the little kickstart that the division needs. And then we can dive back into some of these, you know, wrestle technicians or build people to have both. Right now, uh, like I've been telling people openly, AW 
isn't necessarily building characters or gimmicks. Dark Order is the only thing they've built. Uh, unfortunately, due to the passing of Brody, we didn't see what that could really be when it came to fruition. It seemed like they were getting traction as a babyface group. Um, rest in peace, Brody. So we, we don't know what they can do in terms of building characters. They put a couple factions together. A lot of them are just random guys thrown together, including, including Taz's faction. It's just Team Taz. Um, everything else they've inherited. Jungle Express inherited. A private Party inherited. You have the Elite inherited. The Nightmare Collective kind of just thrown together, but that's still just Cody and Fam inherited. They haven't built anyone up. Miro would be one of their first projects where... You got to build him from scratch because his old character was Rusev. So you got to give him a character people care about. You got to let him roll with that. You got to actually take something and a gimmick and, and make it connect. Even though, like, you know, Rusev Day is super over and people are going to want him to succeed. That fan base is going to let him fail. But you still got to build a character people care about. Everyone else, is, it, they were who they were when they got there. So, in this case, I think you got to do that with the women's division. Build a character. And Britt Baker, you know, she, she had that gimmick and she's just ready. I think they have to work her back into the title picture. This match should be good, though. Um, next up, Adam Page versus Matt Hardy. I really don't care about this match. Big money match. Winner receives the losers. Earnings. Whatever. It'll be a match. Maybe we see Matt Hardy start going through gimmicks again. Uh, broken type shit. I... I don't even know. Adam Page wins. Big Money Matt loses all his money and has to go back to being broken. I It does nothing for me. And I like Adam Page still. And drunk Adam Page was cool. Um, halfway babyface, Dark Order, Adam Page just doesn't fit for me. I don't think the Dark Order and him really mesh well. I don't get it. It's like putting apples not even next to oranges it's like putting apples next to peanuts like it, it it just doesn't make sense like they don't they don't go together they're cool on their own but they don't go together so it's it is what it is adam page wins that match and then we have uh the face of the revolution ladder match all ladder matches are fun i'm always here for the flippy shit i'm always here for the big spot so count me in even though people on this podcast know how I feel about Cody Rhodes and his in-ring work. But he's a crazy man. So he might just do some wild shit off a ladder and make this super entertaining. So we have Cody Rhodes, Scorpio Sky, uh, Pentagon, Lance Archer, and Max Caster. All right. I don't know why the hell Max Caster's in this. I don't watch Dark, so maybe that's why he's built up the resume. Cody Rhodes should retain. It'd be dope to see Penta get it, but that's whatever at this point. After everything that everyone's been saying and like the diversity and black champ and blah, blah, yes, you shouldn't rush people in roles. You shouldn't put people, a black person there just because, right? That's We're asking for everyone to have equal footing and just have the opportunity to earn titles, not to be gifted titles. But with this TNT title, it's a way to keep Cody strong. Someone to randomly win. And due to the climate, and just seeing how other companies are operating, it could be a spot where Scorpio Sky can just randomly go up there and win. Why not? Cody can Cody can do whatever he wants. Like Cody doesn't need a belt. Why not just shock people and 
put Scorpio Sky in that situation, see what he has. If not, you have a guy like Miro, who I mentioned earlier, who could be a heel, just make him a monster, or you can unleash a Brian Cage or someone, and they can have a legit feud for the TNT Championship. Or excuse me, um, after this, I think Darby remains champion. But uh, Cody doesn't have to win, right? Like, you don't need a heel to win. Someone can take that belt off of Darby in a feud. Like I, like I mentioned, the guys who I just mentioned, the Miro, the Brian Cage, any one of those guys become a heel champ and then have the winner of this, a la Scorpio Sky, win it. And then you put him in position and you see what he has. You put him in position. It's like money in the bank. We're going to put you in position. We can pull this shit on the trigger on you next week. We can pull it on you six months from now. But you know you're going to get you're gonna get your shot. So build yourself towards it and make it work. So I think Scorpio Sky is probably the guy that should get it. Maybe Penta gets it. Um, Cody doesn't need it at all. Maybe maybe Shaq enters it too. You get like Shaq. Who knows? But I, I don't think Cody needs to win that. And then main event, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley, exploding barbed wire death match. I can't even believe I'm saying that shit. It's crazy. It's it's raw. It's it's Moxley. It's why he left the WWE. He has always been this guy. He did well in the other mold. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't him. He was so good enough that he could succeed in the PG WWE realm. But this is who he was from the get-go. This is who he wanted to be. He had the money. He had everything else. He wanted to do this at a big stage. He didn't want to compromise. He wanted his cake and to eat it too. He wanted his title and a death match. <laughs> so this, this is what he gets. It's going to be amazing. He retained his title against Kenta in Japan, which is odd because both me and Dre thought he'd lose it, kind of go on hiatus, the baby... Uh, shouldn't be too far off. But, you know, paternity leave, spend time with the wife. But I'm not sure about that. So he's tricked me once. I don't think he's going to trick me again. I'm taking Kenny Omega to win, whether it's by hook or by crook. I'm taking Omega to win this. It's going to be bloody. It's going to be crazy. John Moxley, this is his realm. But I think this is the perfect time to give him some time off if you can. So give me Kenny Omega to win the exploding Barbed wire death match. Wouldn't be shocked if we see one or two new debuts that people are like, wow, and just didn't even think of. That'll be really dope. And I expect someone to come out and challenge Kenny Omega afterwards. And I will go on record now to say I think we see someone from New Japan come out after the match. And stare Kenny Omega down. I'm not positive who yet. Because I, I really... Man. What a crazy moment to end a pay-per-view on. If you go with the Golden Lovers. Right? Like if you can have Kota Ibushi. Out there. After Kenny Omega goes through this war. He's super heel. You you stare Moxley down. Like you finally did it. And, and you just have Kota Ibushi come out. Like, what happened to my friend? Where did he go? This isn't you. And you just have him look. And you set up one hell of a match now that this door is open. Man, we can only wish. We'll see. We'll see if that's how it turns out. I'm excited. The pay-per-view, much like NXT TakeOver, like I said, 
I give them the benefit of the doubt all the time because they rarely let me down. AEW is really good. They're really good at these pay-per-views. Can't wait to watch it. We'll be back Sunday breaking it all down for you. So that'll be our next wrestling show. Dre will be here. I'm sure he'll have things to say. We'll touch on you know, Lashley and all that on Sunday as well. Thank you guys for joining me solo on this show. I know it's a little change up. Didn't want to leave you guys hanging for too long without a show. So I really appreciate it. Hopefully you guys are out there staying safe, um, staying mentally aware and make sure you guys are mentally healthy as well. I know it looks like we're coming towards the end of this pandemic, but we're still in it. I want to make sure everyone is healthy. And when we can go out and we can get back to normal life, we're mentally healthy as well. In the meantime, follow us at corner podcast underscore on Twitter. Then you can follow us at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Check out our other show, Wrestling with Stereotypes, on adfreeshows.com. Shout out to the mortgage man for that. Shout out to Blue Wire, the network, all the sponsors, to most importantly, you guys, the fans. The old man will be back on the next show. I appreciate you. But for now, I'm out. I'm the-